The reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 80. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Can I add my welcome to Mark's if you've joined us since the start of the service? Let's pray before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Zechariah's wonderful song, and as we look at it together now, please speak to us by your spirit. Amen. Just like Christmas, the birth of a new baby is normally a time of great joy and celebration, isn't it? It follows months of preparation and waiting. And when a baby arrives, most parents can't stop talking about their new son or daughter. My brother has just had his first baby, a little girl, Lottie. And most of our conversations at the moment revolve all around her. He's a proud and pretty tired dad, so it only seems right. And in a similar way, it's no surprise that many famous pop stars, Adele, Beyonce, Stevie Wonder, John Lennon, Pink, to name just a few, all wrote songs in honour of their children. And if my brother was a gifted musician, which he isn't, sorry James, then I'm sure Lottie would have a song in her honour too. So when Zechariah decides to write a praise song straight after the birth of John, his long-awaited son, it isn't that surprising. But what is a surprise is the focus of Zechariah's song, which is less about his son John and much more about another baby who would be born six months later, the promised saviour king who John was was to prepare the way for. Back at the start of Luke's Gospel, we learn that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth were elderly and had never been able to conceive. But one day, Zechariah is visited by the angel Gabriel and told that Elizabeth will bear a son and his son would have a specific role to prepare the way for the Lord. Despite the fact that he's been spoken to by an angel, 
Zechariah is still sceptical and he's struck dumb. But Elizabeth does become pregnant and news of her miraculous pregnancy and dumbstruck husband spreads throughout the region. And nine months later, she bears a son. At the circumcision ceremony, instead of naming the boy after his father, as was expected, they named the boy John, which means God is gracious. Zechariah has had nine months of speechlessness to reflect on the Jewish scriptures and all that they promised about the Messiah, who was about to arrive to save his people. And now it all comes bursting out of Zechariah in this amazing song. So our first point, the promised saviour king. Zechariah sings about a promised king whose arrival was no random event. Instead, it was the realisation of God's forever plan for that first Christmas. Nearly 2,000 years pre-Christ, in an oath to Abraham, the father of Israel, verse 73, God promised to send a king who would rescue his people. A king that the prophets of old had said would be born in the house of David, who was seen by many as Israel's greatest king, verse 69. And yet he would be even greater still, a horn of salvation, symbolising his strength as king, and his rule would endure forever. Israel longed for a political leader who would lead them to victory over their enemies and bring economic stability, social comfort and justice. They were currently under foreign occupation by the Romans and longed to see an end to this oppression. And as a country who has had three prime ministers in this last year, we too understand the longing for a leader who can solve problems and forge a way forward for their people. So often we look to politics and political leaders to resolve the many pressing problems in our society and world, whether it's through education and environmental policy, whether it's economic strategy and healthcare provision, we're urgently looking to find a solution to the many, many challenges that face humanity. And this desire is not just at a national or international level. The reality is that so many of us are struggling personally, whether that's from disappointment in our careers, upset from family breakdown, the impact of physical or mental illness, or the unescapable reality of death. All of us are looking to something or someone to save or protect us from harm, risk, destruction, danger and loss. We have a sense that we need saving, but we don't always realise the root of the problem or what we need saving from. God's promised king wasn't going to be the political leader they anticipated, but he was going to be the saviour that they actually needed. A saviour who would ultimately deal with all their enemies, verse 71. This king was God himself, verse 68, coming into the world as a human being, as Jesus Christ, with a mission 
to save us from our sins. So our second point, the king who saves us from our sins. The reason that Zechariah is able to sing with such joy is that his son, John, was the one to give God's people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, verse 77. John was tasked with alerting people to their greatest problem, but also to signpost the solution. Many of us don't realise that the greatest problem we face is not actually out there, but within each of us. A problem that the Bible calls sin. In fact, sin lies behind all the pressing problems in our world that we wish politics would solve. Sin literally means we're forgetting this is God's world and living as if he doesn't exist. Whether consciously or unconsciously, we're living as if we're in charge rather than submitting to God's authority and rule. Too often, we're self-serving and self-glorifying rather than doing what will bring most glory to God. And this puts us in active rebellion with God. We're literally at war with him. And in God's world, he simply won't allow this to go on forever. As verse 79 says, we desperately need a pathway to peace with God. And what's more, too many of us don't realise the seriousness of our predicament. It's like we're stumbling around in the dark, unable to see. Lost in a dark wood, without a torch, with no idea which way to turn. And even when we, don't, when we do recognise the problem, we don't always know what to do about it. As the one who has caused offence to God, we can't just make things right. It's not just within our powers to kiss and make up. Not a case of just try harder. The reality is that we badly need God's forgiveness. And in God's perfection, he can't just overlook our rebellion and pretend it hasn't happened. In fact, we wouldn't want him to, as this would make God unjust. It would have been like telling the First Lady of Ukraine when she spoke in Portcullis House last week that she should just overlook the Russian war crimes as if they don't matter. When we see those terrible scenes of death and destruction, we want there to be a God of justice. We want the perpetrators to have to answer for what they've done. And whilst that's a more extreme example, all of us have committed crimes against God. We desperately need someone who can step in and get us out of the mess we've created. We need a rescuer, someone who can save us and restore us into a right relationship with God so that we can serve him without fear. Verse 71. Someone who turns up with the torch and takes us by the hand to guide us safely home. And this is exactly what Christmas is about. In God's tender mercy, verse 78, God took on flesh and entered into the world as a human baby, the baby Jesus. He loved us so much that he gave up his glory to come down into the world for you and me. And unlike us, Jesus Christ did live the perfect life. 
He never took a step wrong. He was always fully obedient to God. His thought, words and actions were always pure and correct. And because of this, he was able to die on the cross as a perfect representative in our place. Jesus bore the burden of our sin instead of us. He was punished in our place so that we might receive forgiveness for our sins. Jesus' death secured not just a ceasefire with God, but full-blown peace and reconciliation forever. Wonderfully, Jesus Christ guides us in the path of peace. Verse 79. And amazingly, this peace with God gives us real hope, both now and in the future, in the face of darkness and death. So our final point, the king who gives life in the face of darkness and death. Zechariah is a brilliant lyricist, and you can't get a more wonderful line than verse 78. Because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death. In the middle of winter, when days are quite frankly pretty gloomy and grey, you can't beat a bright sunny day, can you? It certainly puts a smile on my face. It can't help but cheer you up and lift your soul. And the sun Zechariah is singing about is no ordinary sun, but a light that comes from heaven, bringing life and light forever. The Bible frequently links darkness to death. Death is the great taboo in our society. We permanently live in its shadow. We avoid talking about it, as we have no answer for it. Whilst a growing number of tech billionaires, including Amazon's Jeff Bezos and PayPal's founder, Peter Thiel, are using their enormous wealth to try to cheat death, the reality is that no potions, pills or healthcare regime will stop it. At Christmas, we're reminded of those who are no longer with us. Come 3pm on Christmas Day, the familiar and well-loved voice of the late Queen in our living rooms will be missed by millions across our nation. Yet, as the late Queen reminded us in her Christmas speech in 2020, every year we herald the coming of Christmas by turning on the lights. But light does more than create a festive mood. Light brings hope. For Christians, Jesus is the light of the world. As Jesus himself said in John's Gospel, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Which means, in the words of Her Majesty, Even on the darkest nights, there is hope in the new dawn. Come with me for a moment to a scene at the end of Luke's Gospel. It is early in the morning. The sun is rising. A group of women are hurrying to a tomb in Jerusalem. They're expecting to anoint the dead body of Jesus with spices to complete the burial process. 
but the tomb is empty. Over the coming weeks, the disciples and many hundreds of others see the risen Jesus. Death could not hold him. Jesus and the Messiah, the King, the one announced by Zechariah in his, in his soul, died and rose from the dead. That's how he shines his life-giving light on those living in the shadow of death. Because he has been through death and lives again, so can we if we put our trust in him. And this is not just hope for the future, but a hope for today too. No matter the challenges, the darkness and suffering we face, we can keep going with the knowledge that this life is not it. Wonderfully, the light of God gives us new insight into God's purposes so that we can keep walking in the midst of daily struggles, difficulties and frustrations. If we're trusting in Jesus as our King and Saviour, then we're no longer at war with God. We can speak to him about everything, knowing that he loves us and will set our direction and guide our feet into the path of peace. So as we close, if you're here and you would say you're not yet a follower of Jesus, or you've forgotten his tender mercy, will you acknowledge that sin is your greatest problem and that this does put you at war with God? Will you receive the wonderful forgiveness that's available in Christ and his offer of peace? And if life feels dark and that you're living in fear of the shadow of death, will you step into the light and receive the life he offers? And to the many here who are following Christ today, will you ask him to enable you this lunchtime to know his light and peace afresh? Let's remember the promised Saviour King who gives us forgiveness of sins and life in the face of darkness and death. Isn't that the best song you've ever heard? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Zechariah's song and we join with you in praising him and praising you for your tender mercy to us. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, the Saviour King, and that through him we can be forgiven and experience the wonderful hope of eternal life in the face of darkness and death. I pray that this Christmas every person here might enjoy the true pathway to peace that Jesus offers and the light and life that is available to all who put their trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.